Welcome to Brave, Bold, Brilliant. Your host, Jeanette Linfoot, talks to incredible people about their experiences and unleashing their full potential. From the boardroom tables of big international business to the dining room tables of entrepreneurial startups, embracing opportunities, overcoming challenges, taking risks, while staying true to yourself is where the magic happens. Hi, it's Jeanette here. If you're enjoying Brave, Bold, Brilliant, I'd love it if you'd subscribe, share with your friends and leave a five-star review. Let's do it. Here's the show. So welcome to the Brave, Bold, Brilliant podcast. I'm your host, Jeanette Linfoot, and I am here today with two incredible, inspiring women, <laughs> the co-founders of Every Woman. I'm delighted to have Karen Gill and Maxine Benson on the podcast. Nice to see you both. You Lovely too. to be here. <laughs> oh, fantastic. I was just saying, actually, this is perfect because it's a, I get a buy one, get one free with you two. So I'm <laughs> loving the fact we can do this all together. It's so exciting. <laughs> Wonderful. So where I like to start the podcast, because people are naturally curious about the background and, and kind of where people's story has started and led them. So if you're both okay with this, I think we'll start there. Um, and yeah, Karen, why don't we kick off with you? Okay. So where to start? Where to start 40 years ago? Um, so, yeah, I mean, been around the world. It's been a very, very long and evolving journey. Um, and interestingly, Max and I met, you know, when we were in our very early 20s, when we were bumming around Australia, um, having both left the UK uh, to go on working holiday experiences, etc., and both found ourselves in the travel industry. I, I, I ended up working in the hotel industry, Prince Continental Hotels. I worked with them for 15 years. Um, based in Australia, I was very fortunate to be part of an opening of a, a hotel, a 550-room hotel, which was a really exciting project. Um, and then came back to the UK early 90s, beginning of 1990, um, because Intercontinental brought me back here to run the Europe, Middle East and Africa territory for sales. Um, and again, you know, that was just an amazing career, an amazing company. And um, did that right through until I had my son, Declan, in 1998 and decided this wasn't going to work, being a new mum and, and working in the travel industry, living on a plane and in the hotel room. <laughs> you probably have heard a hundred times. Uh, <laughs> living in New York. And we thought it would be a great idea to start a business together and have some fun. I think that's how it went, didn't it, Max? Yeah, exactly. Um, so as Karen said, our, our, we were in a, both in Australia. We bumped into each other at a party. Um, no, you know, we it didn't was, into each other at a party. You gatecrashed my party. Okay. Uh, that, different, slightly different version of the same story. <laughs> <laughs> I remember it differently, uh, but no, that's actually, that's true. But, you know, we were in our 20s. It was a very um, a different place from how life was at the time in the UK. And, and it was really was the land of opportunity. And, you know, Karen, as she said, was working in the hotel industry. I found myself working in the travel industry too, working in airlines. But importantly, found myself working in the travel industry for entrepreneurs, which was really my first encounter working for, um, you know, entrepreneurial, creative people. Um, and it was and it was a wonderfully liberating, exciting experience. And um, 
yeah, and then our paths sort of went different ways. I went to New York for 10 years and ended up working in casting for feature films. Again, working for a, an incredibly talented, brilliant, creative woman, um, Amy Kaufman. And again, I think from that experience sort of was always encouraged to think about what next. And as Karen said, we got to the point where we were both thinking, wouldn't it be fun to do our own thing? Um, and it, that was really the beginning of Every Woman. We did not set out to start Every Woman. We set out to start a completely different business, but it was the experience of being new business owners, trying to um, launch a business that we didn't you know, have. We were really in. matching, weren't we, the demographic of we were. female startups because most 70% of women that start businesses do so in a sector they've never worked in. They don't have any contacts in, but they've got a passion or an interest for it. Uh, slightly different to you know men who tend to take their previous experience into into a new, into their own venture, and so and we kind of learned every lesson in the book really quickly, didn't we? We got burnt by everybody, got our ideas stolen, didn't make any money, racked up a lot of bills, and thought this isn't working. <laughs> <laughs> what was the original uh, business idea then when you first kicked off together? What was it? We were right. We wanted to write TV production formats. Wow. A lot of fun doing and creating. Yeah. Um, but we didn't get to sell any. Uh, because we <laughs> didn't have any contacts in that in that in that industry. And it's a very difficult industry to break into, as you probably know. Yeah. But the but the thing is, is that while we were doing that, we were meeting lots of other women that were starting their own businesses too. And at the time, you know, we're talking 21 years, 22 years ago, <laughs> when we were kind of in startup mode. Um, you know, it was what was there was a real sort of shift into women starting businesses because this is pre-technology of any use. And so therefore they just couldn't get the flexibility that they really wanted in their careers when they had families. And so it, that's why they were called the kitchen, you know, top startup because they were finding it really difficult to get that flexibility in their in their corporate careers. And so that caused a wave of female startups, um, sort of, you know, early in the mid nineties. But we um, didn't know that that was happening at the time. We were just, you know, two of them. Um, it was only really as we started to yeah. meet other women and hear about their experiences that we suddenly realized this, you know, really negative experience that we were having with sort of the bank manager and your accountant questioning mm. whether you should be doing this was commonplace. And uh, suddenly meeting other women, they were so supportive and so inspirational and, you know, very generous with passing on contacts and advice and guidance. And it really was those moments of magic that sort of lifted us up when we were feeling like, oh, we just can't go on. And it was then that we realized that we just wanted to, to surround ourselves with more and more of that. But it didn't exist. There were no women's networks. Um, there were no, you know, uh, flexible office space where you could mm. go and meet these kind of things, clubs, that sort of stuff just didn't exist. Mm. And so that's what we decided that we wanted to try to create. But of course, you know, creating that in the bricks and mortar world meant having a lot of money and effectively becoming a landlord. And that wasn't what we were able to do but it was 97 98 and um the internet as we you know was just getting going and in the, the US, world wide web the world the <laughs> www dot and um they were just starting to launch community websites in the us uh, iVillage.com and women.com 
and we saw how they were creating community online and we said that's you know that's what we could do in the virtual world and that really was the beginning of every woman wow. and we, we, we were hearing just amazing stories about how you know women were feeling very disengaged from the business community and in fact there was a common theme that because you know originally we were really focused on female entrepreneurs <laughs> and and there was a real theme that everyone felt they were being discouraged from starting their venture that they were very excited about rather than encouraged it was you know very negative experience so we wanted to create a platform and give a voice to female entrepreneurs to feed back to the business community to say listen you know we're here we want to give you our business but you're not making it easy for us so that was the original premise of everyone which wow. for, we started we launched in 1999 21 years ago and then and we evolved you know the offering first of all just online well as you know we had a dial-up modem and ibm pc cranking that up and most actually i think our first event max only sort of 40 percent of the people that came had an email address yeah and this is how long ago we're talking. <laughs> so um, so it was slow to get start online. So we came offline and did, <coughs> did conferences. And then we, we realized that we needed to get, we needed to share these stories and give these stories more prominence in the media. Because actually, if you actually went back then and asked, you know, people to name female entrepreneurs, they could only name Anita Roddick, you know, and maybe one or two others. Um, and that's how the Everyone Awards started, which was about really uncovering all these great stories that we were getting to hear, but nobody else was. Mm. Um, and that there was a difference to those stories, wasn't there? There was a different motivation. There was a different passion. There was a reason, a different reason for having started them in the first place. And actually, when we started the awards, having heard all these stories, we did it with the view that we wanted to redefine the definition of success. At that point, the definition of success was, you know, fast growth, high turnover. If you fit that criteria, then you made it into the broadsheets. That's why you never read about women's businesses, um, because mm -hmm. they didn't fit this, the traditional mold of what a successful business was. And so we wanted to redefine the definition of success because so many women were starting businesses because they wanted to juggle that with other family responsibilities or they needed financial independence or whatever it may be. And often enterprise was enabling that, but it wasn't being recognized therefore as a successful business, but it was deemed successful in the eyes of the woman who had founded the business because it was enabling that for her. So that was really why we started the awards. Um, and that sort of the networking piece and the inspirational storytelling, as Karen said, we started off for entrepreneurs but actually so many women that came to those events from the corporate organizations that were sponsoring them were always in the sessions they were always listening and they were going away as inspired and motivated as the entrepreneurs in the room and at that point we started to realize that actually there was something in this for literally every woman that this wasn't a uniquely entrepreneur's story so our name became fitting yeah um, <laughs> we grew into our name yeah and it was because the people were saying, actually, these conversations that we're having are the same conversations we're having with women in the workplace. They're, they're also feeling a little bit displaced and disconnected, and we need to do something about that. So that we started to work, as Max said, for everyone in about 2004, 2005. Um, and of course, it, you know, the conversation was very new. 
there was a lot of resilience, a lot of resistance, should I say, to to from both men and women wanting to do anything because of your gender. Um, and there wasn't the research around, there wasn't the kind of evidence based, diff, you know, about gender behavior difference. And so it was, you know, it was quite hard going and uh, to push to push through that. I think one of the tipping points was the financial crisis back in 2008 and kind of when the world woke up to, you know, group things not good and words like diversity uh, started to appear. Um, because we certainly hadn't heard that before. And, you know, as Max was talking about telling the stories and the storytelling, you know, that we didn't use words like role models back then either, but that, you know, everybody has um, realized that the power of role modeling is so strong, especially for younger people coming into the workplace that they can see, you know, somebody like them from their community, their background can succeed and have, you know, a good career in an organization or start a, start a business. Mm, yeah, and I think, I think, Oh, sorry, Max. I, was just, I think what you what you make is a really interesting point around how you started focused on entrepreneurs, but actually the challenges are are very similar. It might be different organisations, you know. And certainly from from my perspective, when I got involved with Every Woman, um, which I'm delighted to be part of because I feel incredibly passionate about this as well. You know, my background was corporate, as you know, and. Yeah nearly always the only woman in the boardroom with a profit and loss account you know with a full big commercial responsibility and now now I'm in the entrepreneurial space I can see the challenges on the other side of being in a different type of business so I think it's fabulous that every woman has really grown into its maturity but then there's still so much more to go for us of course which we're going to talk about in a, in a while but um, let me just come back to to kind of the two of you as a partnership because I love the chemistry and the di the dynamic di dynamism. I can't even say it between the two of you. Um, you know, and actually, if you think about it, you know, Carrie, you came more from the corporate space, if you like, not corporate as in business travel, but corporate intercontinent, big organisation. Whereas Max, you were in the entrepreneurial space. So, how has that helped you be able to sort of bridge that gap across those two worlds? Has it has it been useful the fact that you didn't both? come from pure entrepreneurial backgrounds? I think it was very useful in the beginning because I think that, um, you know, I, Intercom was an amazing employer for training. So I think I came to that with a lot of process information. Oh, structure, yeah, all of that. Yeah. New about to be the balance sheet, done finance and non-accounting and all that kind of stuff. So so that was, that was I think, helpful. Yeah. And then I think that, um, I mean, one of the reasons why, you know, I left corporate world and wanted to do this and specifically to work with Max was to be more creative. But she'd yeah. come from a much more creative background where it wasn't constrained by, <clears throat> well, you can't do that because of this, that and the other. Uh, so, you know, I mean, and even now we can, we'll talk about that, I think, when we get to the present day and the dreadful pandemic word. Um, but, you know, at the beginning, we had a lot of fun bouncing ideas and creating different ideas, sometimes not for the good of the business, because you can have too many ideas going at once. Um, but, yeah, no, and I think that people often ask us, I mean, you know, we, we have seen, obviously, through all of the businesses, thousands and thousands and thousands of businesses that we meet year, you know, year in, year out. Partnerships don't, you know... Having a partnership like we've had for 21 years is rare. Mm. You know, they don't, a lot of them do not go the distance. Some of them end in acrimony and, and you know, quite unpleasant stuff because people just, their lives change and their, 
yeah. you know, what they want changes. So, and you know, not now. In fact, this is the longest Max and I have ever been apart because we've been into our office. <laughs> we used to sit desk back to back, sort of six feet apart, and we did that for 20 years. So, yeah, that's that's we spend more time with each other than we did with our husbands. <laughs> Yeah. And, and what, what sort of, how would you describe your roles in the business? Because, of course, you're helping lots of women in their businesses. But, you know, looking into every woman as an organisation, do you have quite defined roles um, between you? Or do you sort of generally just muck in and whatever's needed? How, how do you structure yourselves? We really have defined roles. We have, we tend to, it tends to happen naturally that we'll go where our Maybe our talents. I don't know, Matt. What do you think? We don't have to find roles. I mean, no, we don't have to find roles because actually, you know, good or bad, we both we are both client facing. You know, the the rainmakers within the business, and we have been have consciously tried to put people around us that you know enable us to go out and continue to do that. That's how we best serve the business as it happens. I think then often what will happen is, you, you know what it's like, you meet one or two people that takes you down a certain track and, and you find yourself working in on a particular thing with a group of clients and Karen may have gone down another track because, you know, people say, oh, you must meet this person, da, 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 and so it goes. Yeah. So that's often how we find ourselves in different on different tracks, but it's coming through our networking and our client-focused activities and in you know in service of our clients really yeah it makes sense I that over the years i remember we did try once we had a you know consultant came and said oh you've got to have defined roles and so we did that i think matt's had web and tech and and i had something else but actually you know a the business is small in terms of people um and b i guess part of what works about us is that we enjoy working together so actually we like to share our thinking with each other and we're very respectful of each other's opinion on, on projects and things. So actually, I think we work best when we work on solutions together, really. Yeah, I think that's quite unusual, you know, from, from a lot of the businesses and partnerships that I've been involved in or, or seen, you know, very often you, you have to have more of a definition. I mean, clearly what you've got works fantastically well for you, you know. So I, I think the point is there isn't a one size fits all is there you have to find your own flow whichever business you're leading or if you're in a partnership you know i mean i think about me with my property business with my my lovely partner chris you know we're so different but we have we we really do say actually let's play to our strengths you know you focus on that i'll focus on this because otherwise we'll trip each other up so we have to define ourselves in that way because otherwise i think i'd kill him and he <laughs> Kill me, but actually, what you've got is a great is a great magical combination where, like you say, you like you get the best out of each other when you work you work very closely on. Do you on know what? As you're, as you're talking about that, Janet, I think that perhaps one of the reasons why we have both remained outward facing with the clients, speaking to our clients, spending time with our clients all the time is because this was a this was a new market mm, yeah so you know from that point of view if we were going to continue to drive every woman forward and to build a business that was fit for purpose to address the needs of our clients at all times we needed as many ears as possible out there listening as mm. this sort of conversation evolved it wasn't it wasn't an existing uh, industry that it was like well then i could do this and you could do that we had to be spending a lot of time listening because that was informing what we did 
as the yeah. as the market started to um, mature. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I love that. I do love that because like you say, you, you know, you were, you, well, you were and still are trailblazing in the space and that that's a great place to be. But when you're at the front, you know, there's no one to follow as such as they're in that scenario. Well, it's a great place to be actually. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. So let's let's talk about where about the business and kind of where where you started, sort of UK focused, I guess, in the early days. And how it sort of evolved and changed over the years. And you, you mentioned about 2008 being sort of a, a, a critical point, if you like, that you know really escalated and grew the business from there because the need was so much higher, I guess. Um, but how how has it evolved over over the years then, from where you started to where you are now? Well, I mean, you know, our, we did a piece of brand, well, I can't remember when it was, Max, but it's a good six or seven years ago, if not more, and we came up with our vision, which is every woman everywhere. Um, and part of what we always say, and, and actually what people say about us, that they love about the everyone community, is that we are very, very eclectic, and you will meet somebody from, you know, a, a different industry, different backgrounds etc so we are about every woman we're not about women in the boardroom we're not just about grads we're not just mm. about professions and so it is it is for every woman but the everywhere bit wasn't quite um you know happening until so in the beginning as you said we were very uk centric mm. um and that was because actually you know a lot of our work was being done offline and um and that was in the UK. So what happened was we launched, we wanted to, we started to do much more leadership training for women in the workplace back in about 2011, 2010, between 2010 and 2012. And we had some, we were doing some really great stuff. And one of our clients said to us, this is fantastic, you know, but these women come back from these programs. And again, this was when there was still skepticism about all female training. Um, but we could feel the power of it when we were in those rooms because suddenly those women would open up and they would talk about what they were really finding challenging in the organisation, which they would not do in a mixed, you know, a mixed room environment. Mm. So uh, they said they're coming back much more motivated, more confident, you know, really wanting to see where their progression is. But we've got 80,000 employees. We can't put them all on, you know, all, half of them all on these programs. So that's when we said, actually, we've got to go back to getting technology to do the work for us. So we developed the Every Woman Network, which is our digital platform in 2012, took it out to market in 2013, got some of our really great clients to pilot with us and take, take it on board. There was lots of talk about, does it need to be in multi-languages, you know, for you know, um, international markets, et cetera. But everybody agreed that the business language was English. And so therefore that that was okay. Um, and it really started to take, you know, it, it, we had to do lots of tweaking and stuff, and but it really started to take off in sort of 14, 15. Um, and it, it just grew from there. So, um, and I've forgotten the question. <laughs> the evolution of <laughs> global. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. And um, yeah, yeah. suddenly we had clients like Accenture and, you know, Barclays, we've got a big global program with why we have a big global program with and we suddenly started to see that our members from those employees were from all over the world. It's like, aha, we need to do something about this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
And so, so talk about the about the going global bit then, and and sort of how that shaped up. Because obviously, I, I know that you're in India, but you're in so many more places than than that. Especially with the online, you know, because essentially there are no barriers, really, are there? You know, when you when you can can pivot and be online like that. So, what how, what's the reach now that you've got with all those great initiatives that you've taken it forward with? We've got what 35,000 members globally. And as Kara said, the, 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 the international members started to come through our um, client companies. Mm. And then we started to see, you know, real pockets of activity, India being one of them, North America. And so um, we then start, we, you know, we've always done offline events. And so having seen these growing communities in certain territories in 2018, 19, I've forgotten what <laughs> it's been now, 18, 19. 18. 18. 18. We said, let's go and do some events. Let, let's in these territories. We went to India, we went to North America, to Canada. Um, that was the beginnings of us wanting to do more offline uh, in these other territories. But then of course, last year happened yeah um which i guess really then brings us up to sort of date we we knew that we had to um if you know continue with our off offline events online uh we moved very very quickly to make them virtual digital and the wonderful thing about that was that we were able to get that international global audience there in a way that you know you can't do in a conference room in London um, and suddenly you know we would have at our events 35 40 different nationalities and um, speaking and participating and it was like wow this is really fast forwarded actually our plans to be every woman everywhere and really um, made it so diverse, so inclusive, all the things that we stand for as an organization. It was sort of on steroids last year as we were able to do this stuff um, digitally. Um, and so, you know, this year we will continue with the digital events. We will continue with our online digital um, platform that our leadership development platform and all of our leadership programs have been taken online but we will also still do them in the real world as well and some kind of hybrid blend of <coughs> so you know that has that is getting all of our focus this year as we kind of start to blend those two worlds not quite sure where the blend happens in the calendar yeah. but um yeah that's that's the very exciting Thing, I guess really that came out of what was a very scary initially year last year. Yeah, I think it's ironic, isn't it? You know, because because obviously there's been a lot of hardship calls through yeah. pandemic, and it's been tough emotionally running a business at, in, at this time for everyone that's that's in that position. But the irony is when you look back, and as you've just described there, Max, you know, it's probably actually catapulted you forward a couple of quite a few notches than if it hadn't happened at all, because you, you've you've now got both those options, haven't you? Fully, you know, fully formulated, and therefore you've got more choices as to how you continue to to take the business forward from here on in. Whereas before, you probably wouldn't, you know, necessity is the mother of invention, they say, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 you know, what I think, you know, what's been really wonderful is that the pla our platform has been used by so many women to, um, you know, to continue to do their networking on, 
to have their voice heard. A lot of those things that would have disappeared for those individuals, um, we have managed to keep alive and amplified through the through the platform what we're doing. And that's been very rewarding. Yeah, fantastic. Can we talk about men for a while? Yeah. <laughs> let's talk about let's talk about the, the men in our lives and our businesses. Because of course, you know, we're all incredibly passionate about diversity and inclusion, not just gender diversity, any diversity and inclusion, I think is is absolutely critical. But of course, you know, to really make change, um, male advocates, uh, I firmly believe, are a key, a key part of driving change. Um, but I'm really interested in your kind of your take and your perspective on it, given what every woman is trying to achieve, the role of men in the organization, one in the business, but also with, you know, your clients um, and the yeah. services that you have. Do you want to? I mean, we've always, you know, we even get our people to sign disclaimers when they speak to us that this is not about, you know, Bad mouthing um, or discounting, as you say, men's role in in this journey. That it's critical, and I think it has. You know, it took a while, um, and I think of the time that we've been at work, one of the big shifts has been such a generation. You know, a huge generational change mm. of you've now got you know men in their forties um, running CEOs of big businesses that have got the same aspirations for their daughters as their sons, whereas twenty years ago that was actually the case yeah and those men can see bad behavior in those businesses and think that could be my daughter that's ha having that happen to her and they don't want it so mm. so, so, that, so that's been a, a you know a change that has brought good change there's been lots of great initiatives around male allyship you know the united nations team for she campaign which where you know we've said we can't we can't do this on our own we don't want to do it on our own and lots of men want cultural change because you know diversity and inclusion is all about changing the culture of your of the environment so that everyone does feel included um and that is everybody as you said so we are uh, you know we've always had great well we've had great male mentors throughout this whole journey um and they have a lot to contribute to the conversation and to the to the you know the clearing of the pathway to make it happen I think also that, you know, men also had to come on a journey as well. You know, we talk about the power of role modelling, but it first required surfacing male leaders who were going to lead the conversation, were happy to be role models and were going to commit the time to getting out and about and demonstrating what it looked like to be a great advocate. And, you know, those those men needed to be surfaced and needed to be given a platform. And, you know, others, other men needed to understand what it looked like and to have the confidence to, to be those advocates, too, because often they had not been surrounded by that in in their working environment. Um, yeah. Do you find do you find sometimes I mean, I hope I think things have changed, but you're 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 really close to this every single day. Do you find sometimes that maybe there's a nervousness about addressing the topic and therefore some businesses maybe don't take action in the right way because they're afraid of getting it wrong or saying a wrong thing or using the wrong terminology? And there's, you know, there's an education piece there to be done where it's better to actually make a start and to, to move in the right direction with the right intention, even if you haven't got it perfectly nailed. I don't know if you've come across that quite a bit. I think what's interesting about that, Jeanette, is what's happening with race, you know, yeah. in, 
in the workplace. And if we can see the same pattern, can't we, Max? Yeah. With that fear. And uh, and I was speaking to somebody about it, uh, a big organisation, and they have been running a lot of, you know, uh, workshops with their leaders about uh, about this very thing because they're being asked the question, you're not quite sure about the narrative, about the right words to use, so therefore we don't feel that we should say anything. Yeah. And um, and most people will say, I use the word, it is about the intent. People will mm. work out that if your intent is right, actually it's okay for you to get some things wrong and hopefully you'll get on a journey and you'll, and you'll learn what is, what's respectful and what isn't so respectful. But if your intention is good, people will always see that through that. Mm. So, um, yeah, I think that's what we, so we, uh, we don't seem, I don't seem to be having that conversation as much around gender, do you, Matt? No, no, not, no, not anymore. I, th- I think, um, I think it has generally moved on, but I think, you know, to, it is about, um, you know, help, help me be a better ally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, whether that is gender, ethnicity, um, I think that. I think there's an absolute acceptance now that, you know what, I, I, if you're willing to be an ally, then you are willing to go on a journey to learn how to be a good one. And allyship, you know, that's a relatively new term too. Yeah. You know, it didn't yeah. even have a name, did it? Yeah. Yeah, no, it is, it is. It is amazing, actually, how things have progressed. I mean, it's still more to be done, of course. Of but, course. You know, I mean, so, so fast forward maybe five, ten years from now, what would utopia look like for every woman? What, what's, the, what's the sort of mid to longer term goal that you want to see, not only for the business, but also for, you know, that broad business community that you serve? What would good look like? Well, obviously, utopia would be no, there's no need for, <laughs> for diversity programmes. I don't think that's going to happen in our lifetime. Um, so, you know, our plan is over the last three years, we have built a great team so that we have a really great level of leadership in the business that enables Max and I to not be so operationally involved in the business and be really focused on the growth and the the clients. Mm. Um, And what we are working towards is that we are going to be able to give everyone to the next generation because it will be around forever. There will always be a need for a platform for women in business um, in the medium to long term. And it, it... you know, it, it, we want it to expand rapidly over the next couple of years and become a very strong community and business that's kind of owned by the community and not rely on us at all. Would you, mm. is that right, Max? Oh, yeah, no, that sounds utopia to me. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent, I love it. And can you think of, of the sort of the, the, ha- the biggest high that you've had in your careers so far? And then I'm going to ask you about the biggest low point as well, because <laughs> I'm sure there's there's plenty of both of those. But Max, can you think of the biggest high or maybe a proudest moment or anything that stands out? I think, you know, that our, our biggest sort of ongoing high, really, and we, we have never stopped reminding ourselves of this in 21 years, is the incredibly diverse group of amazing women that we do meet. I mean, and I'm talking from like, you know, schoolgirls with huge ambitions and trying new things and um, 
going to great lengths to to achieve that right up to you know women i don't know we, we've met women who have been bankrupt living in a caravan at the bottom of a field that have got you know bought their last meal on a credit card with nothing else and somehow managed to get a business going or women who have escaped uh, abusive situations and have set up businesses from safe homes safe houses right through to incredibly successful women you know like you know mary perkins the founder of spec savers and and women from across all industry sectors that that has been a constant source of energy and inspiration over 21 years and I don't think that you could, we would never have met those women doing anything other than what we do. And so I think that has been the greatest high of what we, what being involved in Every Woman has been, because it was you, it was a unique Every Woman experience to have. We wouldn't have had it anywhere else. Mm, yeah, so yeah, I think that uh, we always, we always say this and we were very fearful that we were not going to get this from the awards programs that we ran virtually last year. The high is that those women like Dame Mary Perkins, you know, Chrissy Rucker from the White Company, Kath Kidson, turn up and give us their time to be in a room with us, to, to keep this alive and to give it the profile that it needs. And the amazing thing is they're all so humble mm. and they're all so giving and they are very appreciative of what we're, what we're trying to do and they make their time for us. So that, that, and we have a great time and it's really inspirational, as Matt says, and that's when it, it becomes the high. And so when we ran the awards virtually, you know, we are, I, I, I guess that's one of our, our, our proudest moments is that by the time we ran our awards, our entrepreneur awards, which are really, really well known for being very magical, very, you know, successful, um, inspirational, etc. We were really nervous about it. By the time we did that in December, everybody was starting to get Zoom fatigue from Zoom events, etc. So we really invested in a, you know, award-winning documentary maker, filmmaker to really help us produce an amazing show that was, gave that inspiration and the essence of storytelling and and, it, and we just were, A, so proud of the team that they produced that, but the, the accolades that we had afterwards were incredible. And that, that was a very proud moment. Mm. Yeah, I mean, and, and like you say, you know, to be able to deliver something with the passion. I mean, you know, I've been at a number of the award ceremonies and, and it really is, you do get goose pimple moments at the awards because that you know there's just so much emotion in the room and and you just, you know, you're recognizing some incredible women. Um, so how do you replicate that online? I can I can imagine that there would have been trepidation around that, but I mean, massive congratulations. And and actually, that's really great advice for anyone listening as well. You know, how do you create the energy and emotion in a virtual world as opposed to being able to be physically there? You know, because for your international business as well, you know, some of those those aspects you'll probably continue to use um, virtually, Absolutely. won't you? Yeah. You know? So. I think that's great advice for people listening. And can you think of the most, the, the toughest time, the, you know, <laughs> the low or there's probably been quite a few, you but. How many do you want? <laughs> just give me one. Just give me it. Just give me a. I won't... Oh, look, we, I mean, you know, we've had, <laughs> actually, we've had a low, loads of stuff. And, but it's always, it's, I remember saying, once someone saying to me, the best thing about being in business is the people and the worst thing is the people. 
<laughs> and it's and our toughest times have been when people have really, really let us down um, or have, you know, just been dishonourable, really. Mm. And, and that's hurt. it's really hurtful because, you know, there's, sometimes there's no reason for that. But it's, that's life and it happens and you have to move on fast. But I, I guess that I can't think of any one particular thing. There are loads of them, but it all comes back to one thing and it's people not doing the right thing. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny, isn't it? Because a lot of people say, oh, there's no emotion in business and all of that. Oh. There is. There is emotion in business. Where do you it? <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, there is. Because, you know, when you, it, it, there's no emotion if you're not putting anything into it. But when you pour yourself into something, it does get personal. I mean, you can try to remove yourself all you like for it. But at the end of the day, it, it, it smarts when you've given everything and it doesn't come back. Yeah, no, 100% agree with you. No, I think, uh, and, and also, you know, maybe this is slightly slightly a difference between men and women as well. You know, I think, you know, as women, we do express our feelings a little bit more easily possibly than, than guys do as well, you know. And uh, yeah, so it's, it's interesting, you, you, the whole discussion, really. So I'm just going to um, ask a few, a few final points, if I may. So can you think of, and this is for both of you, I don't care which order, whoever jumps in first, can you think of the best piece of advice that you've uh-huh. been given? Um, can you think of one, Matt? Yeah, I, well, I, I think there's a piece of advice. <laughs> the best advice and is also the, the worst advice. So when we were just starting out, you know, with hindsight, you think, oh, the best advice was probably, oh, it's going to take you twice as long and cost you twice as much. Actually, I also think that was the worst bit of advice because it took 10 times as long and it cost a cartload more than just <laughs> twice the price. So that kind of falls into both camps for me. <laughs> Again, buy one, get one free. Max, you're all about the value. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Karen, can you think of the, the best and, and the worst, actually? Um it, I mean, it's all the cliche things, isn't it? You know, if you keep doing what you've always done, you'll always get what you always got. I, I, we've used oh, yeah. <laughs> but um, I think the best advice that we got was when, and it wasn't a, a advice, it was actually, you know, some real leadership insight, was when Max and I, after 10 years in the business, I don't know, we decided that we'd not invested a cent in ourselves and, uh, and that we really needed to go and get some leadership training. And that the premise of that was all about extraordinary thinking and how you have to really focus on not what the circumstances are, but what you can do about them. And that has held us in good stead over the years. It was it was really, really great stuff. The worst. I actually can't think of any really significantly bad advice, because if I if we had any, we obviously just disregarded it and moved on. <laughs> <laughs> really bad that people have told us to do that we've gone and done that have had dreadful consequences no yeah well that's yeah no and that often is the response actually to this question well it was so bad so I just ignored it actually (laughs) (laughs) Um, and that's great but you make a very a very valid point there about investing in time and energy in yourselves as well you know, because as as leaders, as business, as you know, we've got a lot going on in our lives, haven't we? Family, work, you know, looking after elderly relatives, whatever it may be. And I think very often, you know, you can neglect yourself at times. And um, it's a bit, you know, the analogy of putting the gas mask on, isn't it? You know, and if you if you're not in the best shape possible, you can't serve those and help those around you in the best way. So I think you know the whole mentorship and 
personal development is something that I think is so critical. Um, and it's it's good that you you kind of you know make sure that you keep yourself in good shape through yeah. all of this. It's it's absolutely critical. I do think that that is one of those things that you that sometimes you leave it too long. You you learn the hard way. Yeah. So you know I think that that is. The, the advice about, you know, get a mentor, invest in yourself and all the rest of it is, I think, really good advice because it's so easy to let that drift and to just keep yourself at the bottom of the list of priorities. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, I've, I've been really fortunate because at different times of my career, I've had different coaches, mentors, you know, and, and it's always catapulted me to the next level, always, without a doubt. And I mean, I do, as you know, I do a lot of mentoring now, um, you know, for, for, for clients that I help get to that next level. And I find it personally so massively rewarding to see people really flourish. But yeah. also it's just, you know, it's a release, isn't it? It's a safe space. So anyone that hasn't got a mentor, and it doesn't, it, you know, it can be formal, informal, it come in all shapes and shapes and sizes, but to have someone that's really going to be there to encourage you, you know, call you out as well. Sometimes you need to kick up the bum, uh, accountability and, and sort of really support you on your journey and help you get that clarity sometimes. I, I find has been absolutely instrumental in my own career. Uh, yeah. So I think that's one of the things that I have missed the most over this past year of lockdown, mm. you know, because when you talked about informal mentoring and, and you get a lot of that from your networks and often, yeah. you know, you go to an event or you'll have a lunch with somebody and you'll talk about an issue that you've got and that person will suddenly just throw a new, you know, perspective to it and you think, oh, wow, that's really, that's been really helpful. You know, that whole informal mentorship that you get from all of your friends colleagues um i have significantly missed yeah yeah i think you're right and and actually i mean talking about networking what advice do you i mean it's, it's challenging as it's been challenging you know through this period for sure but what advice would you give in a more normalized um perspective to women when it comes to networking and kind of putting themselves out there because i often find Sometimes there's a nervousness for, for certain people to do that, certain women in particular, but men as well. Um, how do you how do you advise people with with that whole networking piece? We, we do. We, we you know, have done a lot of courses on that over the years. And I think that that, again, it's one of those things, hasn't it, as a subject that's evolved. You know, I remember when I first started out, people say networking equates to no working. And uh, um, but, you know, it's a business skill and it's a really critical one. If I think of and that's another thing that you miss in this situation, if I think of the pieces of business and the relationships that we have built informally and, and made through informal networks, they're invaluable. And so it's a really critical business skill, not just, you know, externally, but also internally when you work within a corporate organization to get your profile up, to learn, to meet people. So we always teach people to have a networking strategy because it's not, you know, everyone thinks networking is all just for the extroverts, but you can be an intense introvert and still have a really great networking strategy. And I think, again, the pandemic's really sort of honed that in because, you know, we have made sort of a conscious effort to reach out to new people on LinkedIn or, or doing things like this so that yeah. we do remain visible and we do build our networks that we can't do it how we like to do it, which is over a glass of wine and a canopy. Maxi, 
You can't wait for somebody to come around with a silver tray and pass you. Oh, no, I'm dreaming of it. <laughs> the idea of someone walking past me with a tray with a drink on is just... Heaven. I can't wait. But, to, but, but also on that, you know, in the, in the real world of, of networking, too many people I've met that, you know, the idea of it they don't like and they don't go. And it's like, well, go with someone. Yeah. You know, have a buddy that you go with. You don't have to walk through a door on your own. Just drag someone along with you. Yeah. <laughs> until until it becomes easier. Yeah, and and it is a case of the more you do, the easier it gets. You might yeah. always like it, but actually, it does get easier, doesn't it? And I mean, I always think as well. You know, come from a point of how can you help the other person yes. first. You know, rather than what's in it for me. And I think sometimes that's what puts people off. They feel like they're asking for help or they're asking for something or they're selling something. Well, no, you think about how you're helping that other person. It could be an introduction or a bit of a... Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, and actually when you come from that place of giving, it's yeah. different, I think. Oh, yeah, very comfortable, very, especially for many women to be in the position of asking a question or just asking lots of questions and then thinking about... How can I take that knowledge? Who do I know? Who can I connect them to? That is a, yeah. a very great place of comfort for a lot of people. Mm. And that's the place to operate from. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it helps massively if you're if you're helping the other person. And it's yeah. something that, you know, as I think as women, we're really good at. We're really good at nurturing everyone else, aren't we? Absolutely. <laughs> so, uh, no, that's fantastic. Oh, my God, we could talk all day, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to close with um, a final question, uh, which is all about this podcast is called Brave, Bold, Brilliant, right? So you are on it for a reason, ladies, I have to say. Um, so what does Brave, Bold, Brilliant mean to you? I'm going to go to Matt. Looks like she's going to say something. No, I think, <laughs> I, you know, those words, Brave, Bold and Brilliant, um, First thought, it sounds like words that belong to someone else. The words that, you know, they're the sort of people that I, I want to surround myself with, that, you know, you can get great energy from, that I find very, very inspirational. I'm inspired by people who, you know, embody those words. I'm a more sort of messy, resilient, determined type person. But I, yeah, they, they are words that I associate with others. Oh, I associate all of them with you. You are brave, bold, and brilliant. <laughs> exactly. You are exactly. I bet you use the word I was going to use. You see, great, Mike. Because to me, it's to me they they sum up resilience. Because I think resilience is the one thing that yeah. you have to have to bounce back to be brilliant. Yeah. At times in the business when we felt so flattened. And, and again, that helps to have a partnership. You just got to find that resilience to bounce back. And when you bounce, for some unknown reason, when you do get your, your, your bounce back, you then become more brilliant in, in solving the ideas or whatever, yeah. finding the solution to whatever the problem is. So, yeah. Well, I think and then you have to be bold and brilliant to be in business for 21 years. Well, that's true. And, and to have built the business that you two have done and to have impacted so many women's lives and their families, you know, you think about dropping a pebble in a pond and the ripple impact. And that's exactly what you've done, but on a global scale. So you should feel so proud. I know you do, but, you know, I just really congratulate you for everything. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you. 
both brave, bold, and brilliant in my eyes, 100%. And that's a typical female perspective to not say and claim the space, Max. So you, you are brave, bold, and brilliant. I'm a work in progress. I'm a work <laughs> in progress. There's still a lot of work to do there. Well, um, are, are a lot of your um, podcasts for people in the travel industry or all industries, Jeanette? All industries, Karen, all industries. So, I, you know, I've interviewed people from, you know, very large corporate CEOs running multi-billion pound businesses right the way through to sort of solopreneurs starting a business from their kitchen table to elite sports people to people that oh, okay. are raising things for charity. So the listen base really, you know, brave, bold, brilliant. For me, this is all about giving back. It's all about inspiring people with, you know, hearing stories like, you know, from yourselves, what you've done in business, what you've achieved, you know, it, it really helps people who are listening because they, if even if just a couple of points resonate, to me, that makes all the difference. If it just means something to one person and makes a difference to that person's life or where they are at this point in their career or business or personal life, well, then to me, job done, you know? So it's all about giving back and helping people, really. And I think we can learn a lot from each other. So, yeah, it's a range. It's a range. Yeah. Cool. Thank you both incredibly. You are wonderful. And um, I really appreciate you taking the time because I know how busy you are. And I can't... Well, let us know when it comes out on our platform. Yes. And you and keep up the great work. Oh, thank you. Let's actually just give a shout out where people can find you because it's really important that they do because anyone that's listening that isn't already plugged into every woman, you absolutely must do so. So where, where can they find you? Everywoman.com. Or Perfect. Nice and simple. I love it. Well, listen, thank you both very much. I can't wait till we can get back in the room and have a oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank, you. thank you, Jeanette. Thanks, Jeanette. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank yeah. you. I really hope you've enjoyed Brave, Bold, Brilliant. Don't forget to subscribe and share with all your friends. And if you've enjoyed listening, I'd love it if you'd leave me a five-star review.